This song is a cover? Did you say it was a cover? I didn't yet. Oh, never mind. Go ahead. I'm sorry. Travel back in time to the 80s. Reliving the music. Everybody have fun tonight. Everybody wang chung tonight. The movies. Yes! 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 Oh! 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 I'll have what she's having. And the parties. No one in my family ever drinks. That's great. You probably never run out of ice your whole life. Because just like you, we're stuck in the 80s. Sure, it's not 1985 right now, but who knows what tomorrow will bring. Hey, hey, welcome to Stuck in the 80s. It's your host, Steve Spears. And Brad in L.A. And today we start a new decade by talking about the songs that started our favorite decade. Woohoo, new decade. It's our Close But No Cigar songs from 1980. I'm lying alone with my head on the phone Thinking of you till it hurts I know you had too Stuck in the 80s is a member of the CLNS Podcast Network. You can find our podcast on iTunes, iHeartRadio, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, and the CLNS Media Mobile app. You can also listen to our podcast at the CLNS Media website. You can find that at clnsmedia.com. Hey, and since it's a new year, how about you be our friend on social media, too? You know. Friend. Friend. Just like our page on Facebook and follow us on Twitter. What does this song mean? My whole life, I don't know what this song means. I mean, should old acquaintance be forgot? Does that mean that we should forget old acquaintances? It doesn't mean that if we happen to forget them, we should remember them, which is not possible because we already forgot them. Well, maybe it just means that we should remember that we forgot them or something. <laughs> anyway, it's about old friends. Hey, so it's our first show of 2020, and we're kind of throwing aside the 1970s. We toyed with them long enough last year. So Brad and I figured let's start uh, 2020 by celebrating the 40th anniversary of the start of the 80s with our traditional show about songs that reached number two on the chart but got no higher. That's just a gift that keeps on giving, Steve. Hat tip to Chuck Coverley, who has given us, I don't know, 10, 12 shows, 16. I don't remember how many, how, how much we're going to squeeze out of this one, but a lot. Oh, so delicious. Sir, jelly donut, sir. A jelly donut. So, in case you're wondering, 40 years ago, things were a little different in our world. To put things in perspective, uh, a 1980 Chrysler Cordoba, uh, advertised by Ricardo Montalban uh, as having rich Corinthian leather, costs uh, $6,700. Good grief! That's cheap. And that was a good car. I well, mean, that was maybe a, it that, wasn't cheap then. It seems really cheap to me now. It does. It does. Gas was about a buck a gallon. A movie ticket was two fifty, And a state-of-the-art VHS player, Brad, $699. Get the f*** out of here. No, I cannot. It's serious because it's very important base. Pick it up at Windows 6 at Service Merchandise. Yeah. Oh, my God. $700? And I know my family had one. We we spent it. I mean, I can't believe we spent seven hundred, but we spent something. Well, maybe it fell off a truck somewhere. 
Yeah. That whole economy of uh, organized crime doesn't really spread as far down south as here, but um, I think maybe we bought ours like in 1982 or 1983, so maybe maybe by then they were down to about $400. I don't remember when we got a VHS player. The only clue I have is that the first two movies that we rented was Jazz Singer and Urban Cowboy. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, they were. Yeah, they were. So, you know, someone else do the math. I think, I, I'm pretty sure Jazz Singer was 1980, but uh, Urban Cowboy might have been a couple years later. I don't know. I get scolded for hopping on Google when we're doing shows, so I'm not going to look. Yeah, it yourself. I you anyway, so here's the, the shtick of our show this week. We've done a few of these already, so regular listeners probably kind of know. Yeah. Blues but, R&B, watch us for the changes, try to yeah, keep up. Right. What we're going to do is we're going to honor some of the songs that climbed the Billboard Hot 100 chart in 1980, but plateaued at number two. I'm sorry, but I'm afraid you're stuck here. Oh, oh, God, stuck here. I can't, I can't be stuck here. And we will also identify the culprits that kept them out of the top spot. Sound pretty <laughs> straightforward? I'm all a tingle with excitement to finally get back into the 1980s. We're leaving our side piece decade behind, and we're moving on to our main squeeze. Here's the deal. So we're gonna we're gonna put these in the order of of when they were released or when they when they hit number two. That is, and in the in the 80s, some of these will actually be late 70s songs, but they didn't peak on the chart until the early 80s. So before you write in with your vicious emails, got a really nasty one the other day. Actually, write in, write in, yeah. <laughs> We'll preface it by saying some of these are from 1979. I want to get things rolling with this song by Terry Desario and KC. That's Yes, I'm Ready. And if it sounds familiar, you are much older than we are because it originally was a song <laughs> by Barbara Mason from her album in 1965. Huh. It's been covered by a ton of different artists over the years. Terry Tesario and KC, better known, well, not better known, also known as Harry Wayne KC, the uh, lead vocalist of KC and the Sunshine Band. Were, oh, uh, yeah. They were uh, high school buddies in Miami, Florida. Oh, okay. And uh, KC was a fan of the original song, and he was producing Terry's uh, second studio album called Moonlight Madness and decided, hey, let's make this a duet. There we have it. Huh. If you thought that when the calendar turned over from 1979 to 1980, suddenly you're just awash in neon and Rubik's Cubes and Pac-Man... Not so fast there, Junior. No. Not so yeah. fast. It takes us yeah, a could, little while to to shed that mortal coil of the 70s. I, I was thinking about this earlier. I mean, for purists like us who, who you know, we say we're stuck in the 80s. We're, you know, originally when the show started, I was re- a real purist about, like, we're not going to talk about the original Star Wars. I'll talk about the two that happened in the 80s. Or we're not going to talk about the first two Rockies. I'll talk about the ones that are in the 80s. But I've been wondering lately... Like if you're an artist, you're a performing artist, and you know decades change. You know, Rolling Stones have been around for a long time, and I don't think when the calendar changes at the end of each decade that they sit back and think <laughs> they're like, "Okay, new look." 
<laughs> yeah, yeah. New look, new sound. It's an evolution, probably. I assume, but it doesn't. It doesn't. Um, it's not ruled by the calendar. I guess is what I'm trying to say. Sure, it's an artificial boundary in time that we've created to help ourselves track things. Yeah, it's not everything, uh, Steve. It's just the only thing for this podcast. By the way, Barbara Mason's original version also peaked at number two, but on the R&B charts. So there you oh, go. Oh, wow. Yeah. It was a top 10 song of the time, but, but it got to number two in the R&B charts. Speaking of the past, if you want to know what kept this song out of the number one spot, well, it's this throwback song by Queen. Crazy little thing called love. It was never my favorite Queen song. I know people adore it, but what do you think, Brad? I mean, I think what's interesting about it, isn't this one of the ones that Freddie Mercury wrote on the guitar? Yes. And he only knew three chords, and so yes. it's pretty simple. <laughs> yeah. I, I, and, you know, I, I don't say that with any disdain. That's, I mean, he, all you need is three chords, the guitar, and the truth, as we know from our studies. It's a fun song. It's, I mean, it's off a gonna, great album. If you're going to get stuck right. at number two, get yeah. stuck behind Queen. Right. I think you see that we started this series in 1976, and we went to 19, I think it was 1976. Anyway, mm-hmm. uh, but the point being, for the most part, really notable songs have kept these these other tunes out of the top spot. And this is a perfect example of that. Brad, what do you have coming up? Oh, my gosh. Steve, just light some incense, turn down the lights, and soak in what I'm bringing to you today, Longer by Dan Fogelberg. Longer than there have been fishes in the ocean. Higher than any bird ever flew. Longer than there have been stars up in the heavens. I have been in love with you. That is some full-on hardcore <laughs> schmoopy music, Steve. I yeah. oh my! I just I don't even know what to say about it. I didn't really remember this song when I saw the title. I'm like, a longer Dan Fogelberg. Oh, okay. And then I listened to it, and the second it started, I'm like, oh, my God. <laughs> of course I remember this. It's the second single. It's not even the lead single. It's the second single from Dan Fogelberg's 1979 album Phoenix, which made it to number three on the album charts, Rising Like a Phoenix. This, as you say, was released in December 1979. It peaked on the charts at number two in March. But the song was definitely number one on the must-play 1980 summer wedding charts. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. And oh it also God. made it to number one on the adult contemporary chart. So you're the only married – well, you're not the only married co-host of Stuck Inies, but But there's you and there's I'm me. I'm the only one that's on the line right now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So do you remember what your song was for your wedding? Oh, crap. Um, <laughs> no, I really don't. Did you have one? I mean, it's possible you didn't have one. I mean, it's kind of... You know. uh, I don't know that we did. I don't know. Um, can I phone a friend? <laughs> did you have... I don't know if she's your friend anymore. <laughs> well, you know, I'll make sure she doesn't listen to this one. Yeah. That, I don't, that think, would be different I don't think we did. <laughs> I don't think we had a song. Okay. I could be wrong. You're, you're off the hook then. But yeah, this had to be popular at weddings in 1980. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I, I liked Fogelberg. It's just so, ugh. 
There's just it, ha- it has no like sometimes there's a, there's a toehold in the '80s. You can say, well, I can see where he's going. I can see where he where he's going to go from this. But no, this is like this is like two concrete feet in the '70s. Oh yeah, yeah. Fogelberg said this is the song that put me on the elevators. Ooh, well, yeah. So he he knew he knew. He said at the time he wrote the song while he was on vacation in Maui, lounging in a hammock one night, looking up at the stars. It just seems the song was drifting around the universe. It saw me and decided I'd give it a good home. <laughs> wow, man. Hey, Dan. He's up there, friend. Apparently hammocks in Maui are a dangerous place. So this is the highest charting hit of Dan Fogelberg's career. Wow. Uh, but Yeah, I know. I was surprised by that, too. But I think he was understanding about the songs that held him at bay from getting that big number one. So what did keep him out? The first one we've already heard. It's a crazy little thing called Love by Queen. And the second... Pink Floyd's Another Brick in the Wall, part two, I think, part two. That was their only number one single, I think, right, in the U.S.? Yeah, yeah in the U.S., and, and probably other places. I'm not a uh, huge Pink Floyd fan, so I'll let the I'll let the knowledgeable come in and tell me what I missed on, it's, it's, on that. Yeah, it's not going to be me. I was never a Pink Floyd fan either. I could never get it. Probably because I was my aversion to marijuana probably hurt me in that cause. Mm, <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. I'm so nerdy. What's up next, my straight-edge friend? Here's a weird one, okay? I saw this on the list, and I thought this had to be like a a clerical error. Error? Error? I can't say error. That's an error in itself. There's an outtake. There's an outtake for for the 2020 clip show. It's this cover from uh, a four-season song in 1966. It's Working My Way Back to You by The Spinners. So I heard this song, gong, gong, song, gong, 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 and I thought, there's no way this is, first of all, I'm like, it's not a Spinner song, and it took me a minute to kind of like juggle my mind around. One of the weird things is, is that, that's not weird, I guess it's normal. My mom is a big fan of Frankie Valli and the Four Seasons. I, I was, yeah, I was going to say, half of Florida is screaming at you through the, you know, <laughs> as you drive down the street, listen to this, that's Frankie Valli! Yeah. The Broadway musical Jersey Boys. Mm-hmm. came out, I don't know, about a decade ago maybe or so, and mm-hmm. it tells the story of the Four Seasons, and she's addicted to it. So I have been to see it with her three times now, I think. Mm. Okay. So uh, the soundtrack is sort of, it's, you know, it's occupying an uncomfortable part of my brain, you know? Sure. Yeah. yeah it's, and, it's in there deep. Right. I heard it on the radio today when I was getting my hair cut. I'm like, great. That's that's all I need is like this whole thing to make a real comeback in my head and take over valuable real estate that's needed to you know pay bills and you know keep drink recipes uh, straight, automate my breathing and other other important functions. <laughs> <laughs> so this song was originally recorded by the Four Seasons back in 1966, and it was a top ten hit for them. And I've never really listened to the lyrics. You know, it's it's a Four Seasons song. It's not. Yeah. We're not listening to uh, 
to something off of Hemispheres by Rush or anything. You know, it's not, right. It's, yeah, I remember this mainly for the harmonies, you know, because yeah. it's the spinners and for that right. the Four Seasons. But yeah. I wouldn't have put this in 1980. I thought this came out later in the decade. Oh, really? I, I was surprised. Yeah. I was, I, I'm surprised it was any year. But the lyrics tell a story <laughs> about, about a man who cheated on his girlfriend and also emotionally abused her. When she, leaves, he, when she leaves, as she should have, he realizes that he did love her and is very remorseful about his actions. You know. AKA Give the Sean Daly story. <laughs> just half a chance. Yeah. Yeah. I just don't listen. I, I enjoy the harmonies, you know, and I look at the playbill yeah. and, I, I, and I start thinking, you know, what time should I have made dinner reservations? That's that's pretty much what I'm, what's going through my head. Is, is mom still awake over there? Nudge, nudge. <laughs> she's awake. And she's like gently mouthing the lyrics because like everybody in my family, she can't sing. So she's just, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, just forgive me, girl. <laughs> Give me a chance. So anyway, uh, the R&B group Spinners did this in, in 79. They made it into a medley with this song and uh, Forgive Me Girl. It actually topped the UK charts in 1980. Wow. But in, but in the US, for whatever reason, number two. What was it behind, you might ask? We don't need no Yet another brick in the wall for the Spinners. Isn't that kind of ironic, though, that Pink Floyd would keep it out of the top spot in America while it's topped the charts in UK? Yeah, that is odd. You're right. I mean, do you think was England going through some weird 1960s nostalgia at the time? They were. Know. So often we used to do the series about cover songs, unlikely covers, so- songs from the 80s you didn't realize were covers of earlier hits. And a lot mm-hmm. of times by British bands, they were going back and covering R&B stuff from the 60s. So it's oh, that's not, a good point. Yeah, no, you're right. Yeah, that's a good point. Right. So not at all unusual that they would gravitate towards this. Just ironic, I suppose, that it's Pink Floyd that does the work. So that being said, Bradley, what do you bring to the picture now? Steve, get on your horse. We're going to ride like the wind with Christopher Cross. Wait, weren't we just talking about this guy, Steve? Yeah. Yeah. Attentive listeners might remember the great Christopher Cross clash dust-up from December. Christopher Cross's first solo album was released in December 79. But this is weird. The lead single, Ride Like the Wind, wasn't released until February 1980. What? I I don't get it. I don't understand that at all. Like, well, we're going to send this out to the stores. We're not going to promote it on the radio or anything. Why would we do that? Well, I mean, keep in mind he's a brand new artist. This was his debut album. Yeah, so, maybe so they didn't... get me some A&R guy. Any A&R guys out there, call me and tell me what the f*** that's all about. I don't get it. <laughs> there, not enough greasing of the palms. That would be my... Uh, could be, could be. Because that, so, that was of our era. Definitely was. The inclusion of Michael McDonald on backing vocals, I think we discussed this earlier. This is automatically Yacht Rock. Wouldn't you agree? You know who would agree? Alexi Lawless, who also pointed out that in that same show... I mistakenly put the song Think of Laura, even though, as he points out, it wasn't until his third album. Which makes me ask, what the f*** does Alexi Lalas know about Christopher Cross's third <laughs> album? I asked him the same question in a slightly nicer tone. And uh, he basically said, yeah, it's a curse. Okay. 
I meant that I meant that very lovingly, but I'm just saying. But of course, do you know of any other yacht rock songs that deal with killers trying to escape justice, running for the border? Only all of them. <laughs> I mean, usually the worst thing that happens in a yacht rock song is like maybe the maid can't get that stain out of your polo or Ooh. you ran out of ice. I, I don't know. I, it this seems seems a little dark for your standard yacht rock fare. Yeah. Well, I mean, unfortunately, Cross, like so many other artists, was looped into that genre, and, and he, it's like a plastic bag he can't break out of. <laughs> Why am I suddenly reminded of that Halloween uh, episode of SNL with the, the astronaut costume, and it's Dan Aykroyd puts a plastic bag over his head? Do you know, know you don't even know what I'm talking about. No, he could be totally bullshitting me, and I'd be like, yeah. Speaking of satire, in 1999, The Onion ran a piece titled, Christopher Cross Finally Reaches Mexican Border. <laughs> don't die on me, dude. Oh, my God. Well, you, you said that right as I was taking a gigantic drink of something in my cup. Mm, excellent. Well, Try yes. And- I won't read you the whole thing. You can look it up. It's pretty short. It's a funny little call out. So what beat out Christopher Cross? This song by Blondie. That's a fair cop. I mean, this is a fantastic song. It's the main theme song from American Gigolo. And, Steve, if you didn't know, it's written and performed in the saddest of all keys. D minor, which I always find is really the saddest of all keys. D minor. Well, I'm going to try to top Mr. Cross. I don't know why I keep calling him that. I didn't call him that on the phone when he called me. I feel feel bad for name-dropping that again. Did you call him Chris Cross and make him jump, jump? <laughs> but I, I saw the other day, I do follow him on Twitter. And I saw the other day that in 2020, he's going to tour to support the 40th anniversary of his debut oh. album. So he's I'm wondering. Play it in its may- entirety? Maybe. It's, it's worth it. But in any case, I'm wondering if this is my chance to finally get the interview that he promised me so long ago. A man can dream, Spearsy. In the meantime, I'm going to throw it over to a band that did give me an interview so long ago. Fantastic quartet from Australia. And this was the song by Air Supply that reached only number two back in September 1980. I'm all out of love, Brad. I'm so I'm just sitting here swaying you. back and forth. <laughs> it's like a conditioned response. Just kind of, kind of sway back and forth in front of the microphone. Uh, this is actually off their fifth album. So in 1980, Air wow. Supply already had five albums. Good for you, Air Supply. Good for you. Yeah. A little interesting tidbits here. The credit for the song is actually given to Graham Russell, you know, part of the duo, and Clive Davis. And that's because the original song was supposed to be, I'm all out of love, I want to arrest you. <laughs> Clive Davis thought that yeah, was a little weird. What kind of shit is Graham Russell into, man? <laughs> <laughs> Leave the cuffs in your own bedroom, sporto. Right. Clive thought that was a little weird and that Americans just wouldn't understand. So he suggested, <sighs> I'm all out of love, I'm so lost without you. For that one little change, 
he gets a songwriting credit. That's a more interesting story than I just imagine he lost in a poker game or something. Most people probably know this song for the ending when Russell Hitchcock sings the final note for 16.2 seconds. Take a breath, Russell. Wow. Take a very needed breath. Take two. Have you seen them live? I have not. I bet they're good. They're very good. I've seen them three times. I I saw them do the full set for the show after I interviewed them, and I went backstage and hung out with them for a while, which was kind of (laughs) cool. Did Clive's girlfriend show up? They had oh, wait, gr- no, that's well, the other song. That's the, that's yeah. the next song that we talked about from Mercy yeah. Play. So I, we did, I did hang out with them for a while backstage, and they were very nice. And, and Huh, that's cool. So, Brush with fame. The next time they came back to Tampa Bay, they sent out word that they wanted to have dinner with me. And at that point, I, I think I'd already moved on to Orlando, so I didn't do oh, it. Oh, no. So No. But yeah, they're definitely cool. I have seen Air Supply, but only when I put in my DVDs of Live Aid. Oh, that's right. Anyway, do you want to know who beat out uh, Air Supply for the number one spot? I'm on, sitting here on pins and needles, Steve. Two songs. Which one should we play? I'll just say Another One Bites the Dust by Queen, which we all know by heart. We don't really need to hear. And then this gem from Diana Ross. Upside down. Boy, you turn me inside out. And round and round. Now I think you've heard a song that sounds like it's from the beginning of the 80s. Yeah, the last carryover bits of disco have entered into our show. Yeah, yeah, that's fine. Yeah, disco gets a bad rap. It's got a beat. You could dance to it. There's a disco cruise, by the way, that leaves two or three weeks before the '80s cruise does this year. Really, really. And trust me when I say that me and the girlfriend were really tempted to do that one too. I mean, the yeah. lineup is amazing. Well, so. I mean. Those bands have got to be, like, on their, some cases, probably their third lineup. There can't be a lot of original disco stars left. No, there's not. And a lot of them are tribute All bands. the drugs? <laughs> I mean, forget <laughs> about it. Well, I think Sisters, Sister Sledge is down to maybe one sister, but... <laughs> now it's Cousin Sledge. Yeah. Special uh, Acquaintance Sledge. Google it if you're interested. I'm, I'm telling you, if we didn't have the 80s cruise, it, I would be going on the disco cruise. So, oh. so there you go. What do you have next, Brad? Okay, I'm going to bring it all the way in here. This is our last one for 1980. This uh, You're going to be shocked. This song that gets stuck at number two, how could it not go all the way to, to number one? It's More Than <laughs> I Can Say by Leo Sayer. Spearsy, are, are you sitting down? Always. That bad boy is a cover. It's a cover? Of what? Yeah. <laughs> the original is written by Sonny Curtis and Jerry Allison, which we all know from our homework are former members of Buddy Holly's band, his original band. Anyone? Okay. Anyone? What's that noise cr- we hear when we don't know the answer? The crickets. The crickets. Yeah. I knew the crickets. You didn't fool anybody. Yeah. I know Buddy Holly's band. <sighs> 
You're a genius. I didn't because I don't care about rock and roll. Uh, they recorded it in 1959, <laughs> soon after Buddy Holly died and the day the music died. The original was a minor hit in the UK, but it didn't do much here in the United States. It's been you know, it's been covered by a few people. It's a couple you might have heard of. Uh, the Beatles used to play it, apparently, uh, wow. in live sets in the early 60s. Unfortunately, there are no recordings of these performances. Sayers' version is the first single from his 1980 album, Living in a Fantasy. And mm. you know what Leo Sayers' fantasy was, is getting to record eight studio albums, because this is his eighth studio album. Eight? Yeah. What a world. I know, right? <laughs> he had two number one hits in the late 70s, You Make Me Feel Like Dancing. Great song. And When I Need You, which are now stuck in your head on some level. But this particular piece of what shall we call it misdirection was held up at number two for five weeks five weeks jeez yeah just just right at the doorstep knocking and no one's letting them in well what kept it out two songs beat it out this song from McKenny Rogers lady I'm your knight in shining armor and I love you you have made me what I am, and I am yours. Yep, that's Lady, Kenny Rogers' biggest hit. And Steve, who wrote and produced this song? Oh, God, it reeks of it. Lionel Richie. Yeah, Lionel Richie, which really kind of set him on the, the path to fame and riches in a lot of ways. Sure. First song in the 1980s to chart on all four Billboard singles charts. Country, Hot 100, Adult Contemporary, and Top Soul. Top Soul? At least soul? that's what they were called then. Yeah. Oh, that's weird. And the second song, and if you remember anything from December of 1980, you know where we're yeah. going with this. The second song is the last single John Lennon released during his lifetime. It's been too long since we took the time. No one's to blame. I know time flies so quickly. kind of hate to be that guy steve but this john lennon single definitely was buoyed up the charts by john being killed it installed in the charts and was starting to slide its way down when he was killed and on december 8th 1980 everybody that was in the music business at that time producers other artists djs they all worshiped the beatles and john lennon well, well, and so i don't reason. i don't i don't and and the general public so if if I'm not surprised at all that that was the number one song. I remember hearing the singles from that album constantly that year after his death. Oh, yeah. So I'm not surprised. But but is it the strongest song from that album? Absolutely not. So so there. I said that. I'm that guy okay. too. Okay. Well, <laughs> join me over here in that guy town. We'll have fun. By the way, the only reason I know the uh, Lionel Richie answer is because uh, when my girlfriend was here for the holidays... I gave her a copy of Lionel Richie's Definitive Hits, I think it was called. And we listened to it pretty much nonstop for like what seemed like three or four days. <laughs> it probably wasn't that long. That's like an alpha power boyfriend move right there. 
Yeah. So like, I, hey, baby, so, I got you some music. Let me put this on for you, baby. Yeah. So I turn down the lights a little bit. I am familiar with his collection. You know what else I'm familiar with? The, the Seggies. Hey, Brad, I forgot to ask you when we started the show, uh, what'd you do for the holidays? Well, we talked about Christmas, and then I came back and pretended to work a couple days. And then for New Year's, my daughter had to go back to school early, so it was just Katie. And much to my surprise, my son stuck around. And so if you're really that interested, I smoked some salmon, and uh, we watched some movies. It's very <laughs> exciting. The salmon was delightful. When you started the sentence with, this might surprise you, but I smoked some salmon, I was like, I, I thought you were going in a different direction is what I'm saying. You walked right into a running joke in my family. At, at some point, Katie called the kids and was like, where's your dad? It's like, oh, he's in the backyard smoking stuff. I'm like, it's pork. I'm smoking <laughs> pork. I shouldn't do that. Here it does uh, horrible things to your Hard lungs. to get paper big enough. I was here in Orlando for most of it. The girlfriend was here. We went to Disney Springs. For New Year's, we went to this place called the Indian Theater. It's a um, it's it's really cool independent theater that sits on this lovely property with giant oak trees and gardens and creeks and fountains and all this kind of stuff. And they had a Great Gatsby wow. party. Oh, fun! So if you poke around on my Facebook page, I'm sure you'll find photos of it. Nice. But. Uh, the, the, the hors d'oeuvres were excellent. I drank many, many old fashions. Ooh. And, uh, you had me at hello. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Have you seen the new Star Wars movie yet? No, that was on our list of things to do. And we just, we went and we saw Harry Potter and the Goblet of Fire with the Orlando Philharmonic Orchestra doing the score live. Ooh. Oh, nice. Ooh. Which I've never done before. And that's just something else, man. That just blew me away. Yeah, a couple summers ago, I went and saw Raiders of the Lost Ark that way at the Hollywood Bowl. Yeah, and I was like, yeah, that was way better than I thought it was going to be. Yeah, but but having done that, we were not in the mood to go and sit in movie chairs for another two and a half hours. So, well, I'll give you my spoiler-free review. Okay, as a guy who in 1977 remembers very distinctly running to the front of the theater so that I could sit and yeah. have the screen take over, fill my vision, I was. Very happy with the new Star Wars. I felt like it checked oh. all the boxes. Okay, that's good. I'm gonna, I and, might go see it this weekend. So, and you know, you know, haters at me. That's fine. Email me. I'll be happy to hear why I'm wrong, and I'll be happy to tell you why you're wrong. Maybe we should do a whole show about Star Wars after we both see it. So, who knows? Yeah, we've done we'll see how that, shows. We'll see how that fits. Yeah. In the meantime, we actually did start Seggies, and it's time for uh, I want my mystery TV theme song. So, cast your mind back to the year 2019 in episode 531 here was our mystery theme song you better be ready cause you're running out of time Save. that's the theme from 21 Jump Street your friends will be there when your back is to the wall you'll find your feet as cause there's no one else to call when it's the toughest of decisions what you need you better be ready cause you're running out of time Say Brad picked this song. Why'd you pick it, Brad? Uh, because I remember watching this show with my then-girlfriend. Ah, okay. Well, she loved this program. 
I remember very little about it. I, I enjoyed the movie spoofs that came a few oh. years ago. <laughs> I think we've talked about this. The, I didn't ever see the second one, but the first one was way funnier than it had any right to be. Yeah, Just exactly. Way, way funnier <laughs> than you know, somehow. Somehow the the sum was greater than you know. What is that? How does that saying go? It's, sum is greater than its parts, or the parts yes. are greater than its sum. The sum is greater than our parts. <laughs> I, 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 my mouth is broken. I cannot talk. I think the best way for Hollywood to handle remakes is to to to, to swap it. Like if it was a drama, turn it into a comedy. If it was a comedy, turn it into a drama. I think that's the only way to do it. I could be wrong, but stay tuned for my new movie coming out about Facts of Life, the drama <laughs> in which they all die. <laughs> yeah. When we find out that the entire thing never existed, it was just a girl looking into a snow globe at Christmas. Uh, anyway, read some of the winners, Brad. Winners this week include Joseph Perdue, Brock in North Dakota, Moo Man from Stittsville, Ontario, Alan Titus, Brian Pond, Citizen Buck from Bentonville, Arkansas, our old pal Chase Squires, Dr. John from La Center, Kentucky, L.A. Center. I want to call it L.A. Center just because L.A. Center, Kentucky, David De La Dirt. <laughs> Matt D. in Oregon, Jim Withers, and Tom Korn in Austria. Spin the wheel, and we'll see who wins a uh, coveted Stuck in the bottle opener. Mm. Ah, nice one. You've been working out, I can tell. You know, can't waste all that time over the holidays. I worked out four times during the holidays. Wow, good for you. On consecutive days, even. So, don't, get, don't get me started on that story, but I feel very strong. Strong like bull. Anyway, let's find out where it lands. It's going to land on Alan Titus. You're this week's winner. So email us your postal address, and Brad will do his magic. And things will happen. (laughs) Pay attention. Here's this week's mystery TV theme song. If you know it, email us at podcast at sitds.com. And tune in in a few weeks to find out if you are a wiener. Hey, that's all we have for this week. We'll be back in 2020, we promise, with more rich Corinthian leather content. But until then, Brad and I remain right here, hopelessly stuck in the 80s. Longer than there have been fishes in the ocean Higher than any bird ever flew Stuck in the 80s is a member of the CLNS Media Network. Special thanks to Check Battery Daily for our theme music. And don't forget to subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, or the CLNS Media mobile app.